Our reading today is taken from Acts chapter 4, uh, verses 1 to 22, and that's page 1095 of the Pew Bibles. Acts chapter 4, verse 1. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, and the number of men grew to about 5,000. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Anas, the high priest, was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple, and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everybody living in Jerusalem knows they have done an outstanding miracle, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn these men to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. After further threats, they let them go. They could not decide how to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man who was miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Amen. I was away for a couple of days, midweek, came back to the good news that the planners are recommending to the council that uh, we be given permission to go ahead with uh, the new build. And I thought, well, I think I want to thank the Lord for that. And there's many a slip between cup and lip, so pray that the Lord will... uh, take us forward 
and that we get that permission on Tuesday night. So let's pray for that. Uh, this morning I added to the list the racial tensions in the United States and of course uh, are you worried about Trump and Kim Yu, whatever he's called in North Korea? Uh, the people who seem to know these things tend to be, so let's pray about that too and then our own closer needs. So let us bring our prayers to the Lord. Lord, we want to thank you that it looks as if we are going to get planning permission for our new build. And we want to say, thank you, Lord, and in your sovereign will, may it be so. Thank you for those who have been working so hard in preparing all the documents and ticking all the boxes in doing all that has been necessary over the years. And Lord, may it be that our desires, our prayers, and what we believe are your plans for our future ministry in this place and how to facilitate it will find a successful next step on Tuesday night. Thank you, Lord, that we have the resources now to cover maybe a half of the project and give us generous spirits as we move on to the next stage. Lord, we look beyond our own congregational affairs and we look at the world a world in so many places torn with racial and political tension, most recently on our news screens in Charlottesville. And Lord, we pray for every place where there is hatred and violence throughout the world because people are different and need to learn to live together in peace and harmony and mutual respect. And Lord, like so many others, we're disturbed. <clears throat> we're disturbed with the battle of words between the presidents of the United States and North Korea. We're disturbed that the danger of of armed conflict and nuclear conflict apparently has increased greatly. And we pray, Lord, for cool heads, for wise counsel, for a defusing of this situation. For, Lord, we pray from the bottom of our hearts that such conflict will never visit the earth till you come. Lord, we thank you for our parallel project and pray for our partner church and fellow believers in uh, Rwanda. They have 
invited some of us to go out in December for an official event and further meetings give us wisdom in how we decide to take this forward and Lord grant that as our relationship with our brothers and sisters there develops with Dr. Benini and his people in Gilgal Church Lord that we will be enriched by them and they may be enriched by us work in both our congregations we pray and draw us closer together for your glory we pray for Damien and Sarah and family as they've moved down to Drogheda and as they prepare for the beginning of their ministry there we pray for Frank and Claire and Ruth as they prepare to pick up the reins again at the end of this month. Lord, prepare those who lead us for the tasks, for the responsibilities, for the privileges which they must exercise on our behalf. And Lord, we bring our personal prayers, prayers of thanksgiving, prayers and requests for others in need. Lord, hear us in the silence as we bring our own concerns before you now. Here in highest heaven and answer for your glory's sake. Amen. Events have consequences. We're discovering this with Brexit. I didn't know there was going to be a divorce settlement and it's going to cost us 36 million plus or minus another dear knows how many. Did you know that? No. Uh, nobody told us that. Uh, and uh, how's it going to turn out? Well, one crowd wring their hands and create and cry that we're all doomed and the other crowd ring, uh, lift their hands up and shout hallelujah we're all going to be free and who is right I don't know and my guess is neither do you although you probably have a strong view on one side or the other but we're not going down there Last week, we were looking at Acts 3, which begins with the miraculous healing of a man crippled from birth who sat begging at the beautiful gate in the temple. And as we've been seeing in these early chapters in Acts, they, there's an event, and then there is a longer description of an explanation of that event. And in chapter 3, uh, Peter gets up, preaches, and uh, explains the significance of the event to the crowd and calls on them to repent and turn 
to God. In chapter 4, and to that we're turning now, if you'd like to look at it in the text, in, in, in chapter 4 we come to further consequences. But before we do, let's pray. Grant, O oh God, that as we learn more of the consequences of that healing, so may the consequences of our hearing be to follow the only Savior, to live in the only way, bearing witness in word and deed, in his name and for his glory. Amen. Okay, it, was, it wasn't a good day at the office for the temple guards. We see in verse 2 of, chap of chapter 4, they were greatly disturbed. The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees were greatly disturbed. If I have a key text, it's verse 9 of chapter 4, where Peter says, If we are being called to account for an act of kindness to a cripple and how he was healed, know this. The consequences of an act of kindness. The consequences of an act of kindness. The temple guard were greatly disturbed for two reasons, we're told. One, because the apostles were preaching in the temple and ordinary people weren't permitted to do that. That was for the teachers of the law. And two, it wasn't just that they were preaching, but two, what was the content of their preaching? That Jesus, whom these same temple authorities had had crucified, had handed him over to the Gentiles, the Roman authorities, that he was now alive, God had raised him. This was all dangerous stuff. No wonder. No wonder they were greatly disturbed. So what did they do? They arrested them. And seeing it was late in, in the evening, they put them in jail until the temple court, the Sanhedrin, could be summoned next day. And so it was. And verse 5, the next day, the rulers and elders and teachers of the law, they met in Jerusalem and all the top people were there. The high priest Annas, Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and the other men of the top family in the land, the high priest's family. Verse 7, they, had to, they brought them before them to cross-examine them. And their question was, by what power or what name do you do this. And Peter and John respond. And verse 13, how did the rulers respond? 
they were absolutely astonished that these men who hadn't a formal rabbinical education were not frightened, weren't cowed, were able to respond without fear. This seldom happened. Normally, with all the pomp and circumstance of the high priestly family and the Sanhedrin, when someone was brought in, they fell to pieces in front of this show of power and authority, of education, of everything they didn't have. And here, these Galilean fishermen, they were brought in, and they weren't in the least bit phased by any of it. And the authorities, they were absolutely astounded and astonished. And th they couldn't deny that the man was healed. He was standing there. And what was also a big problem to them, there were about 5,000 of the crowd who would, had joined this movement which had just sprung up. So they, they said, uh, leave us, we will discuss your case. And verse 16, they were greatly confused. What are we going to do with these men? We can't stop the healing, we can't deny it, but we'll try and stop this cancer spreading. Verse 16. And then when we get to 24, what do we find? They were simply frustrated. They couldn't decide how to punish them because these men were not backing down. So they just threatened them and warned them and let them go. It wasn't a good day for the lawyers, Kenny, and other solicitors here. They, it was a very bad day for them. Bad day, the consequence of a good deed. What's called an act of kindness. I've been reflecting on this during the week. Uh, because throughout this passage, we, we have where the early church comes face to face with the institutions of the state, and there will be a clash. And I've been thinking about that, and that means I'm, I'm going to be a wee bit more political than I normally am, and if you don't fancy that, you can go now. Uh, I, I promise I won't do it again unless I have to. And this morning, I feel I have to. Sometimes, society is not pleased with good deeds. Sometimes, society feels threatened by good deeds. Uh, uh, let me just give two examples. They're a bit controversial and would need to be uh, modified in some ways, but... I only have time to state them. Uh, 
We Christians are in the business of trying to save lives. Now, apparently, both lives matter. That's a, 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 a movement for uh, pro-life and pro-women, they say. They had a billboard up, and it said this, and I quote, 100,000 people are alive today because of our laws on abortion. Now, some people were very annoyed about that and took this to the, what is it, the Advertising Standards Authority. And they finally ruled. And they ruled that to say that was reasonably accurate. Reasonably accurate. Since the abortion law came in, in whenever it was, 68, and hasn't applied to Northern Ireland, if it had, there would have been more or less 100,000 abortions. And that's 100,000 people who would not be here today. Now, abortion is, there are some heart-rending uh, stories and people face terrible moral and personal and practical issues and I do not want to run roughshod over anybody and I judge no one. All I'm saying is that that is a statistic which cannot be ignored and has to be part of the discussion which is going on in our society. We are, are pro-life in general because we want to do good. And a, a second example, we try to keep society stable. And for that reason, we believe that traditional family values are the foundation of a stable society. But now, and I know there will be different views in this congregation, and I'm not out to create a fence, I'm just out to make a single point. Now, even the PSNI is out in uniform to support a political movement for same-sex marriage. Where has your political neutrality gone, Chief Constable? I don't know. The consequences of an act of kindness. That's my first point. Let's move on. Uh, <clears throat> and look more briefly at Peter's response. Filled with the Holy Spirit, verse 8, he addresses the people. He says, we are here because this man was healed. And you've asked by what name or what authority he has been healed. Look at it, verse 10. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man before you is healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. And then this verse. 
salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. No other name but Jesus. Now, our faith is universal. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. It's not restricted to any race, to any nation, to any tribe, to any clan, to any caste. It is for all, for the whosoever. It is universal. And yet, it is very particular. There is no other name, no other name under heaven, anywhere in this world or any other world if there is any, under heaven, given to men and women, the text says, it comes from outside us. It's nothing we can work up ourselves. It's a gift by which we must be saved. We must be saved. That's what the text says. That's what Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, makes clear. Jesus alone? Yes. There's no other mediator between God and man. There's no other who was perfect to bear our sins on a cross. There was no one else that God raised from the dead. There is no one else who's seated at his right hand making intercession for us. There is no one else who's coming one day in glory when all things will reach their consummation. No one else. And that's a challenge to so many of us. So many of us want to paddle our own canoe. Oh, we know Jesus died for us, but we've never yielded to him. And we think, well, I'm better than an awful lot of other people. The Lord will let me in, I hope. And that's it. And the text says, no one else, we can't save ourselves. Our good deeds won't save us. Our Christian heritage won't save us. Occasionally people tell me their grandfather was an elder. Well, I'm sure that was great, but I'm not sure what it means in terms of eternity for them. For their grandfather, I'm sure it meant a lot. But for them, what? No other name. We can't be saved by doing good. We can't be saved because of our family. God has children, but he has no grandchildren. You may be a child of a child of God, but you need to trust the Savior to be a child of God. No other way, no other ism, not Protestantism, not Presbyterianism, not evangelicalism, not any other ism, only 
Jesus. Without him, we do not have salvation. With him, whoever we are, whatever we have done, however bad, however good, doesn't matter. With him and by him, we must be saved. No other way but Jesus. And my last point, no other way to live but to follow Jesus. Let's return to the text. When they saw 13, the courage of Peter and John, uh, and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. I would have loved to have spent more time on that. I can't. But since they could see the man who had been healed, they, as I say, ordered them out. They talked about things. They couldn't think of what they were going to do, so they thought they would warn them. They were brought in. Verse 18, they called him in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. And then the key verse. But Peter and John replied, judge for yourselves whether it's right in God's sight to obey you rather than God, for we cannot help speaking about what we have seen or heard. It's not very clear. I read a very helpful paraphrase of this passage, which I'll read to you. Peter says, you're the judges here. Very well, give your legal judgment on this one. If we are standing here in God's presence, should we obey God or should we obey you? In God's presence, should we obey God or should we obey you? You decide for yourselves. We have made our decision. We cannot do anything else but tell of Jesus what we have seen and what we have heard. And it doesn't say so in the text, but it's implied there. And we are prepared to take the consequences. The authorities, they didn't know what to do with them. They let them go. Later on in the book of Acts, we find that they had many ways of dealing with these uh, troublesome Christians, and none of them were pleasant. Here we have a, a case when Christians have to respectfully disobey the law. Now, we have to be very, very careful here. Very careful. Because elsewhere in the scriptures, we are told to respect the civil magistrate, to respect the political leadership, to respect the laws of the land. And that we must do. But there may be circumstances when we have to say, respectfully, I have to say no. And if you're telling me, as in this case, that I cannot speak of my faith 
then respectfully I have to do and follow my own convictions. That's something. The way that society is going, I think we'll have to face and bear whatever the consequences are. But look, by such a stand, putting God first, by such a stand, the church grew. 5,000 came in. By such a stand, the people were blessed. Times of refreshing, we heard about it last Sunday morning. Times of refreshing came upon the people. By such a stand, the Son was uplifted, the Father was glorified. But what about you and me? What about you and me? What is God saying to you and to me this morning? Is he challenging us about personal faith? Is he challenging us to reassess our personal convictions in the light of the scriptures? Is he challenging us to promote our views in a way which brings glory to Christ, showing compassion, understanding where we don't have agreement? They took note that they had been with Jesus. Well, God's saying a lot to me, and I won't guess what he is saying to you, but I will pray with you now as we eat, eat seek to hear what he's saying. Let us pray. We remember, Lord, that Peter and John were baptized by the Spirit on Pentecost <clears throat> and were filled with the Spirit as they faced the civil authorities. May your Spirit lead us. May people see in us Jesus and take note that we have been with him. And may the living Lord give us refreshment of spirit, clarity of vision, wisdom and understanding. Most of all, compassion and love as we seek to bear witness in this secular society. We pray in his precious name. Amen.